Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Thus, it is not the trusted confidence that the individual believer has in God, for this is a subjective faith. In this passage of Jude, Jude speaks of Christian doctrine, that is, objective faith. Now, if you remember, in one passage it says, earnestly contend for that was once delivered, once and for all delivered to the saints. And the other it says that was once and for all entrusted to the saints, that body of truth. So it's talking about the faith that was given to them. Now, when it says that it was entrusted to us by God once and for all, it means this. It means that we did not discover this truth by grabbing a little bit of truth from all different kind of world belief systems. It isn't so much that we come up with this belief and we take a little bit from the Bible, a little bit about how we suppose God to be. When it says that it was entrusted to us by God, it was like God is the author of this truth. He says... The only truth that is the truth for the faith, the Christian faith, is the truth that I have delivered to you. So God says, it's my truth in a body of truth given to you. Now, you may discover it through the study of Scripture, but it's not something that you're going to come up on your own. It's something that God created and wants for us. It's entrusted. Then it says, it was entrusted or delivered unto the saints once and for all. That can be applied two ways. First of all, it was delivered once and for all, being one time There's not going to be an additional truth given later on. It's given once and for all time. This is the body of truth. This is what you need to know. Believe and live. And it also means once for all means once for all kinds of people. I get that in context because it says the common salvation that we all share. So it's talking about all believers. So it's the one truth for all time for all believers. Which means that it's not a set of beliefs for those who lived in the New Testament days. It's not a set of beliefs for those who lived maybe in the medieval period of time or the revival time in America or maybe even for those those of us that lived uh, 10 or 20 years ago or maybe future truth. It is truth that was once and for all signed, sealed, and delivered by God, recorded in Scripture by the Holy Spirit for us today to believe right now. Now, let's go a little bit further in this passage. It talks about what is this common salvation. That's interesting. What is this common salvation? I believe it's talking about the gospel, the non-negotiable grace alone by faith alone in Christ alone. That's a common salvation. Now, how do I interpret that? Well, since it's a common salvation, in the Old Testament, people got to heaven by trusting in the coming Messiah who in the future would pay for sin by the shed blood, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the Jews especially knew that through all their typology with the lambs and all the slaughter that they did. Then you, with the, the animals, the blood. You get into the New Testament days, the message of salvation was by grace through faith alone. The way to get to heaven was the same in the New Testament days. The same salvation plan that was given in the Old Testament and the New Testament days is the same message of salvation that we read today. I'm having a a very inspiring time. In my little time off, I'm reading, again, a two-volume biography on Hudson Taylor, who is a missionary to inland China. And it was interesting because in this particular biography, I also get a chance to read his writings in this biography that was written by his daughter-in-law about her father-in-law, Hudson Taylor. 
And he is so crystal clear on the simple plan of salvation. As he's talking about how he had to translate the message of the Bible of going to heaven by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone into Chinese. And he's explaining how that those people needed to know that it wasn't by their idols. And it wasn't by all this other so-called religious Christian jargon that going to heaven was strictly by faith alone. Now why am I saying that? That common salvation is the common salvation of the Old Testament, the New Testament, and even today. We get to heaven the same way they got to heaven in the Old Testament. They got to heaven the same way we get to heaven today. It's through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the common salvation. Then it says, what does it mean to earnestly contend for the faith? I think today what we have done with the word contend, we now think of contending like boxers or wrestlers. You know, we're contending. We're fighting. I'm a contender. Well, unfortunately, that's probably not the best translation for the word contend. It's not to be like a battle. It's not to be used as a weapon. It's a word that's not used to, to um, cause harm to other people. Actually, the word contend means to not be distracted. It means to stay focused. So it's like a person that's working on a project. They want to kind of screen out all the clutter and the distraction and stay focused. Now, in battle, you want to do that. When you hear a sniper out, a sniper, when he's going to shoot, he's going to try to push aside all the distraction, look through his scope, count the clicks, look at, judge the wind, judge the bullet velocity, judge the distance. He's staying focused. Now, true, he's contending because he's in a war, but he's focused on what he's doing to accomplish the task. And that's what this word earnestly contend, to earnestly stay focused. Not so much to do battle, but so much to unite believers around a solid truth that God wants us to believe and to have. So it's not being distracted. It has the goals of an intense effort to accomplish something that's building rather than breaking down. Now notice here, Jude goes on a little bit further in Jude verse 20. says this, But you, dear friends, it's interesting how he keeps bringing the idea of friends and a love relationship. Whenever he's giving truth, he does it in a highly relational, soft environment. And he says, but you, not friends, you, dear friends. He says, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now look up here for just a moment. Just after he said, earnestly contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. All right, while you hear that, you think that's very fighting. But he goes on in verse 20 and he says, no, what you want to do is you want to be built up in the faith. I'm, this is very important. I'm going to build you up in the faith. Now to do that, you have to know what the faith is. And then you have a relationship with the Lord, which would be one of prayer. So the purpose of knowing truth is so that you're building a better relationship with the Lord, so that you have a solid ground upon which to stand, and that you can help bring other people into the same truth. So while you're earnestly contending for the faith, the important thing is that you are also growing in your knowledge of God's Word, and you have an intimacy with God, and that all comes together. Look at how it says here in the book of uh, Acts, where Luke is writing. You're going to see what we mean by that, because there's a real neat phrase in here, and it's called discernment. That's a great word, discernment, to be discerning. And discerning is something that's simple. It means that we're going to know truth from error, right from wrong. We're going to be able to divide it up. So that's discernment. That's what's important. So here's what Luke has to say about the Berean Christians. He says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness. In other words, they wanted to know the truth. And then they examined the Scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true or not. So here's what I'm saying. Listen carefully. In the weeks to come after our mission conference, we're going to go over five doctrines, one a Sunday. When I give that doctrine to you, 
I want you to come with the heart to say, I am so glad our pastor is speaking on sound doctrine. I am so glad that the doctrine we're going to learn now is this particular week, God. So I'm coming to learn all that I can about God because I want to have sound doctrine so I can have sound behavior. Now to do that though, while the pastor is now teaching this, I want to look at scripture. I want to, I want to, uh, he's going to give me a vitamin tablet, but I want to open it all up to the full menu about God, just like the Bereans. So I'm coming to learn, but I'm also coming to examine for the purpose of applying it correctly to my life so I can bring more people into the truth. And that's what he's saying here to those people at Berea. Then Paul says this to Titus. He says, hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that an elder can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now let me speak to those of you that are in Christian leader and some of you young people that might go into ministry someday. You're going to ask yourself, why should I know sound doctrine? There are many reasons, but this one passage gives you two. A requirement for elders who are pastors, they need to do two things. We need to know sound doctrine. And notice the order. The first reason we need to know sound doctrine is so we can come alongside people who need to be encouraged. And we don't encourage them with pop psychology. We encourage them with sound teaching from God's Word. So our purpose is to come alongside someone, wrap our arms around them, and help them to really get to know the Lord. The second, though, is we have to refute false teaching. Sometimes while you're exposing what the truth is to help people, you also have to let them know what is not true. Now to do that, our basis, our foundation for both good exhortation and proper refutation is going to be the accurate knowing of sound doctrine. That's a responsibility for those that are going to go into leadership. So those of you that are young people, I want you to know you need to know this because when you go to school, especially, 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 if you go to a so-called Christian school, because they're going to bring in all sorts of belief system that's going to sound very similar to Christianity that will purport themselves to say that is Christianity when it may not be true Christianity. So you need to know the sound doctrine. And then Paul goes on to say this to Timothy in the last letter that Paul wrote that's recorded in Scripture. He says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. So we need to be Concerned about sound doctrine, we need to carefully study sound doctrine. How important that really is. Now, I want to end this message by going over one more time the five doctrines that we need to cover. Now, that's why you want to get your notes out. But I wrote them a little bit differently for you because I didn't want you merely to have the orthodox beliefs of the Christian faith. I want you to see that God always acquaints the five doctrines with also how to live for Him. He wants us to know truth so that we can live truth. He wants us to know truth, so we can teach truth. He wants us to know truth, so we can defend the truth. All right? But so just knowing truth will do nothing more than to make us highly intelligent critics. And God doesn't want us to be critics. He wants us to be builders, not necessarily just battlers. So to do that, let me show you the five doctrines that we're going to learn. And this way you'll see that these are important for us to apply to our life. First of all, it's the Bible. Now, I put Bible simply down here, but it's really more than that. It's believing that God has accurately and sufficiently revealed what He wants me to know about Himself through Scripture. Now, what am I going to do with that? It's so I can base my entire life now and forever on revealed truth. Let me pause and talk about that for a moment. Some of you are going to be making some incredible choices in your life. Most of the choices that you make are going to involve money in some way. It's either going to be what college to go to to get the right career to eventually provide for your family and make a contribution to society before you die. 
Some of you are going to make a decision on cars to purchase, houses to purchase, where to live. Some of you are single and will be making decisions on who should be your life partner. Some of you will make decisions on children, how to rear your children, how to help your children. Some of you are going to, or even educate your children. You're going to be making a whole lot of decisions that when you make that decision, often you're going to set that in motion. It's like bowling. You throw the ball down the aisle. Once it leaves your fingers, you can't grab it back as much as you'd like to change it. It's already set. So to do that, you need to know what's the truth, what's the accurate knowledge that I need to have today. So that's why you go to church. That's why you don't take Sundays off. That's not why you pick church like it's some kind of a cafeteria or a buffet that you pick just what you want. All of this is important truth. Line upon line and precept upon precept. And your purpose for learning this is so that you would have the biblical knowledge to make the right decisions and how to live your life to bring glory to the Lord. And that's why we need to know the Bible. So we're going to teach you why the Bible is the sufficient book for you to be able to make the right choices in glorifying the Lord. Secondly, the deity of God. We're going to learn about God existing, that you've been created by Him, but also you've been created for Him. So it's not just I'm created, I'm created for Him, and I'm created for a purpose, that God has something for me to do on planet Earth. And that's why it says here, so therefore I can connect to Him. I wish some of you would park on that last phrase. I need to know God so I can connect to Him. I chose the word connect. So it wouldn't be, I need to know God so I know all there is about God, like He's some kind of a, a, a being in a test tube that I'm going to kind of explore all about and dissect like a frog. I want to know God so I can be connected to Him. Now think about it. He is the creator of everything. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I want to be vitally connected to Him. I want Him to be inside of me, the fullness of God. And I want to have all of me abiding in Him through His Word. I want to know everything there is about this God, and only blood-bought, born-again believers can be vitally connected to God. And when you're connected to Him, then when all hell breaks loose, you know that He will never disconnect Himself from you. When you lose your job and you lose your network, you still have God. When you lose your health, you still have God. When you lose a child or an adult child, you still have God. When you lose a mate, you still have God. And you know that God is everything to you, but you'll never know that by one passionate preaching sermon. You're going to know that when we teach you a little bit about God. Whet your appetite. And then like the Bereans, receive it and then go deeper in it yourself. But when you know God, then whatever happens in your world, you can still smile and have the joy of Jesus in it. Number three. We need to know this sound doctrine on the deity of Christ. By believing that Jesus Christ is God and that his life and death provide something eternal for me. Now don't park on the something, park on the eternal. That when you know Christ, you have an eternality with you that has the absence of hell and the presence of heaven. And it goes on to say, and I can be in relationship with him. His characteristics will characterize my life. I have compassion, I can be strong, and I can model Christ here from the inside out. That is so cool that when you trust Christ as Savior, when you know Him as your all-important being, you have a living biblical model to follow. And whatever characterized Christ is love, joy, peace, all of that, you can now have that. If you're saying, why am I here, and where am I going, and how should I live? I'm going to tell you it's all wrapped up in the person of Christ. And Christ isn't just some little babe that was born in Bethlehem. Christ was alive at the creation. In fact, Christ was before the creation. And so you're going to have a vital, intimate relationship with God's Son, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. 
But to do that, we've got to teach about who Jesus is. And then you have to want that relationship, that intimacy with him. And I pray that you do. I'm going to tell you that when you put your head on the pillow at night and the dust settles on a very horrifically busy day, you'll know that Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So you can boldly say, the Lord, I'm your helper. Don't fear what man will do unto you. And to have that confidence is when you really know the Christ of the Bible. Number four, the deity of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't just make demands on me without providing me the means and the resources. Some people have this convoluted idea that God is a monster God telling us to do all of this stuff and then when we fail, He laughs at us or He steps on us. And that's not it at all. Whatever God wants us to do to bring glory back to Himself, He gives us as much or more resources than we need to be able to accomplish what He asks us to do. And if you don't know the Holy Spirit and His, not its, His ministry in your life, you will never know how to please the Lord appropriately. You will never know the power that you have. You'll never know the feeling of comfort. Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is like a multifaceted, glistening diamond with teaching and empowering and prompting. All the ministries of the Holy Spirit is all right. But if you don't know Him, you won't know if this is coming from eating too many hamburgers and onions at night or is it coming from Scripture and the Holy Spirit. So you need to know the authenticity of Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit being one. And then finally, number five, that salvation of man is by faith alone. To know that God says through His Word that you know is being true, that He accepts you just the way you are. And that you place in your faith alone in Him, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. So I'm going to tell you, to know that you are saved and not to doubt it is one of the greatest, greatest confidences that you possibly can have. You know, it wouldn't surprise me that some of you might be a little bit like me. I'm really strong in my faith. I read my Bible. Things can come against me. I can have challenges. And I'm pretty strong in it. I'm pretty healthy. You know, I'm not, you know, flex average or anybody. And I've got to work on my cholesterol and work on this here. But pretty much I'm pretty healthy, like most of you. And so most of you right now, you have no worry about your salvation. God said it, that settles it for you. Boom, it's over for you. But I'm going to tell you that sometimes when my health is rocked, I don't mean a sore throat. I don't mean a little cold. I don't mean a high fever. I'm talking about when the doctor says, you know what, there's something wrong. And we got to do more testing. And you know that that's something wrong with the more testing that's got to be done. That you know that there's a possibility, there's some signs that it possibly could point to the big C word, which is what, everybody? Cancer, you know, you think. And then, and then you know then you got a long trail of a lot of problems with that. And then possibly you could lose the fight and that's it. All of a sudden, when you're finally faced with the potential of your own um, mortality, up close and personal... Even though it hasn't been said, it's terminal. All of a sudden, you begin to really reflect on your relationship with God. The reality of all that you've taught and believed for so long. You start wondering, now, what happens if those Mormons are really right? What happens if those jo- What happens if I'm wrong? Now, some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I mean. But then, that's when your true faith bubbles to the surface because you've abided in His Word. And He gives you the assurance that, number one, The scripture is true. God is the only God. Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven. The Holy Spirit sealed you and he will not cast you out ever once you trusted in him. And that salvation was so simple that all you had to do was believe in Christ and you did that and you didn't miss anything else because there's nothing else to do but believe in Christ. And that's when you can face 
the fact that you are still mortal and may die with confidence and peace and like Hudson Taylor said, with the greatest joy and the greatest sorrow, the greatest joy, I know that I know that I'm going to heaven to be with the love of my life, Jesus Christ. And the greatest sorrow is that I can't still be on this earth serving the love of my life. And that comes when you have at your foundation sound doctrine. And it's my role not to try to build a big church of people, but to teach you sound doctrine, to know it, to defend it, to teach it, and I think equally as important, to apply it. And that's the venture, that's the, 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 the journey we're going to go on together in a few weeks. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Right now, it's an opportunity for those of you that are serious about the reality of God and your relationship to Him to perhaps connect to Him. And you might say something like this, Oh Lord, I thank you for the reminder that I heard today about the foundation of my belief system is sound doctrine. I, I know it, but I really need to know it now. And I want to know it. And so, Lord, I look forward to the weeks and months ahead as I begin to revisit these doctrines. And I'm so glad for my kids to be able to hear this because I want them to get it now and get it right. And so, Lord, I want you to help me to engage in this teaching so I know you correctly, so I can live for you correctly. Now, you talk to the Lord. Now, for others that are here today, I want you to know that no matter what you believe, you can't twist the mind of God. And whatever you believe about God, you better make sure that your um, facts can be authentic authenticated through Scripture. And if you're believing something that's contrary to the clear teaching of Scripture by faith alone and Christ alone, you need to be asking yourself, where did you hear that? Who told you that? And how do you know that they're right? And then some of you might be throwing rocks at Christianity and say, well, who told you that and how do you know they're right? I would be glad to show you history and science, prophecy, and all the things that are so different with Christianity compared to the anemic types of proofs of all the other religions and belief systems of the world. And my purpose is not to shut them down and least my purpose is not to shut you down. It's that I love you so much and you're on a railroad track and there's a train heading right for you and I can see it. I don't know when it's going to hit you and it's called death. But I want to rescue you. I want you to know Jesus Christ and to know truth. Some of you that are now far enough along to say, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. What do I do? What do I do with all of this? Maybe you could say, Lord, I am a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. I've had wrong beliefs, whatever it is. But right now I believe that Jesus Christ is God. I believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And I believe that Jesus is my only way to get to heaven. So right now I'm believing that Jesus Christ will forgive me of all sin. And I'm trusting him as my forever savior. I'm coming to him just as I am. I'm not promising that I'll start this or stop that. I'm just coming like I am. Now if you do that right now, Jesus says, I'll forgive you of your sins and you can have everlasting life. On the authority of the inerrant word of God, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he that believes on me won't perish, but have everlasting life. Is there anyone in here that today would like to say, this is the day I stepped off the track and I grabbed the heart of God and I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And Jesus snatched me into his forever family and has given me a home in heaven 
because I simply trusted Christ. Is there anyone in here today that would say that? That today is the day you trusted Christ. Never done it before. You do it once. It's done forever. But you want it to be today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Is there anyone in here today? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone by that uplifted hand? It indicates silently to me. You won't have to come forward. You won't have to stand up. Put it up real high. Is there anyone today? I'm seeing a hand. All right, Christians, for you. You want to begin doing your study. Look up the word foundation. See how it's used. What are your core beliefs? And maybe memorize Jude 3. Make this series a life-changing experience for you as you build your faith on greater knowledge. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your sound doctrine and how much you love us that you've chosen to communicate in a love letter truths about you that will never change. And that, Father, you left us this inerrant word and you've entrusted this faith to us so that now we can share it with others to rescue them, to help them. And so, Lord, help us save ourselves first by believing the accurate truth of Scripture. And then help us to realize we've been left on this earth for the purpose of connecting with other people. So help us to build bridges to them, to help them come and be a part of this great teaching so they could know you. Now, Father, just bless your word and help us to be the kind of people you would want us to be this week as you are going to bring people across our paths to begin to build a relationship with for the purpose of teaching them sound doctrine. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear. P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.